0: Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and investment wisdom collide. Featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zanbergen.
1: Welcome to our show of wealth makers and dream makers. We are thrilled to be back in the studio today with a new episode of the Zanbergen Report. As your host, I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and difference makers who are passionate about sharing what they've learned and what you need to know today. Today, as usual, I have in, in studio Paul. Was that, that was basically a mistake, wasn't it, Paul? That was, I think we call that a
2: mistake in the radio business, here, yeah. <laughs> It was a big, bold mistake here. Well, in two years, that's the first time you made a mistake, Paul. So I'm <laughs> that's not a bad... Give it to you. Not a bad ratio. And I'm, I know your guest had a communications background. I was just... I was a little intimidated. Yeah, I here. guess yeah, this, the pressure
1: got to you. pressure got me. So with that, I'm so, so excited to have as our guest today, Lisa Webrink, who comes with a really, really great cause and a, and a great background. Lisa, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having me, Bart.
1: Of course. Of course. I can't wait to get into kind of what it is you're doing and how you're doing it, and we're going to get her to speak up a little bit and get a little closer there. She's, uh, she's a little, that's better. Okay. okay, There we go. You can move that if it's more comfortable. Okay. So Lisa, I know that you write children's books and you've used the kind of the bridge between people and animals to teach life lessons about compassion and empathy. It's my daughter, Tehani's favorite book. Oh, it's one good. of the things we have to do a few Happy times a week. That. So it's really, really great. And they also have a nonprofit organization called Tales That Teach. So we're going to talk about all of that. I have never met anyone who was a founder of a national holiday, of which you are. Let's start with your book and how that kind of leads into all the other things that you're doing.
3: Sure. So I originally, I, kind of a long story, but I was at the park one day with my youngest son, and I had witnessed another young boy just being a little rough with his puppy, and uh, had walked up to him after not seeing anybody else intervene. and He was pulling the dog, and I just said, you know, that might hurt Be like, because someone was pulling you by your jacket. And he innocently looked at me and said, you know, I really never thought about it like that. And it was at that very moment that I realized that children are so innocent, as we know, but they really don't make those connections unless it's pointed out to them. So being an animal lover myself and having children, I realized that there was a need possibly. So I did some research to see if there was a book out there to teach kids these parallels, so to speak. And there wasn't anything Out there, so I decided to write this book myself. It was just supposed to be a book for my children. (laughs) But it has blossomed, which has been amazing. Um, So that was the first book, Love Me Gently. It's all about teaching kids the kind and compassionate, responsible care of having a brand new dog at home. Um, Again, it parallels simple things that children do. Not pulling tails, not squeezing too tight, not getting too close when they're eating. It's all about respect and space, exactly the same ways that they would want to be treated. With hopes that once they learn how to accomplish this relationship with their pets, they'll have that with their peers. And then a few years later, I came out with another book called Gray Whiskers, and that is about having a senior pet. So this same dog, his name is Cooper, now he is an older dog. Yeah. And there's different lessons to learn when anybody in our lives get older, whether it's grandma and grandpa or an older dog. And it's there's more lessons about patience and responsibility and um, just being compassionate with, with the aging process and letting kids know that. They still want to be loved, even though they may not be able to move as quick, yeah. um, or think as you know, as, as adeptly. But they still want love.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So I was originally going to say that the first book could be about Paul, love me gently, like not to pull his <laughs> tail and to be gentle <laughs> with him. But I really the producer, think yes. The I'll second book, nice. Gray Whiskers, is I think maybe even slightly more. Appropriate I think that's Paul. right
2: in there. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really, I really hope people will be nice with people with gray whiskers here. I just think that's
3: a... <laughs> absolutely.
2: My mother ran an animal shelter for her whole life when I was a kid. Now, we lived out in suburbia. and My dad was a corporate executive. He was horrified. My mother was down scooping poop out of the animal shelter at the local uh, city that we lived in. Uh, but she helped get it built, and she was an activist, and then she ran it and everything else here. The greatest moment of my life was when she finally put my picture on the wall next to the animals that we had because the animals ruled in our house <laughs> yeah. there. I finally made it. My little picture went I, you know, high school picture went up, to all these animal pictures. <laughs>
1: So, Lisa, um, let's talk about how you kind of ended up where you are today. So you and I got to talk a little bit, and I know you're originally from Chicago. Correct. Right? Mm -hmm. And then we share the same alma mater, Cal State Fullerton. Yes. Um, Communications degree correct right Mm -hmm. and so between graduating college and you said you were into um, mortgages for a bit
3: right Mm -hmm.
1: um and how did you go from mortgages to writing this great book and creating a national holiday
3: well when i was in school i actually received a writing scholarship unbeknownst to me i was fairly good at writing i suppose um so yeah it was a surprise um I just thought, okay, thank you, and just <laughs> continued with my degree, and, yeah. and later, obviously, it had came come in handy. So, um, yeah. but after I wrote the books, I presented it to a school and to the principal, and she was at that time, she said, you know, we're starting something called character education, and we're going to be teaching kids about different character attributes, such as kindness. So could you come in and read? So I did. And then I was talking to someone who has an animal shelter, and I mentioned the book to her, and she said, oh, interesting, because we're starting a humane education program, and this book would be a perfect tool. So from there, that's when I started to realize, okay, there is a need beyond just reading to my own children for this book. And um, I started reaching out to various schools and humane societies, and now we are in 25 states. We've donated over 50,000 books. Wow! And those—that's the main purpose of the books. They are used yeah. for character education in elementary schools and humane education in uh, humane societies.
1: Is it just a coincidence that you and Malia are friends, or did you help her with her book? Or Malia Lewis, who was a, a guest, Paul. If you remember, Eat, Eat, Pray, Move yes, is her I book did. and Eat, her, Believe, Eat, Move, mm-hmm. Believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like there's a similar track yes to a degree
3: we uh, actually malia and i met about a year a little about over a year ago we 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 Belong in this organization called National League for Young Men. So we do. This, it's a mom son organization. Yeah. It's all about philanthropy. So some of the new moms had gotten together and we were just chatting. And I happened to be placed right next to Malia. I've never met her before. Yeah. And we were going around the table talking about what we did. And I mentioned that I'm an author and I started this organization. And she quickly said, "Oh my goodness, I'm <laughs> I'm writing a book. I have no idea what to do with the publishing yeah. process. Can you please help me?" So I did, and I was so happy to yeah. because. I, it, it's a big learning curve. And yeah. so to have someone just say, you know what, this really works, this really doesn't. Yeah. So I was so happy to help her with that. And she's doing amazing now. She's
1: doing great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
3: I really, I was really happy to help her with that. Yeah,
1: I can totally see the similarities. Yeah. So what, what challenges did you run into in your uh, project? and And when did you start? When did you write your book?
3: 2012. The first book was published. I started writing 2011. It took me about a year because I was just trying to figure out exactly what lessons I wanted to present. Um, 2012, it was published, and then the second book was published in 2017. I think the biggest challenge for me was just being self-published, trying to navigate that whole process, um, because with that, it's all your own marketing. You have to put yourself out there. So. To this day, I would say that's probably the biggest challenge is just yeah. continuing to get yourself out there, finding opportunities like this to let people know what you are doing. Because once we do let people know what we're doing, they love the mission. Um, and, and so it, it just continues to grow from there. But that, that's always the challenge, I think, for yeah. most people is marketing and just getting people to know who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah. So as a writer, is it is it challenging or difficult to write to an audience of five to eight year olds?
3: You know, I rely on my experience of being a mom. Um, I read to my children every single night, so that's always been near and dear to my heart. A big part of our mission is literacy. I just really wrote from experience, not just from having children, but but from having animals and observing interactions with other children and animals and understanding that there is this relationship that kids have with their pets that often is their first relationship and so if they can master that relationship they're going to go on to be better peers it it really does cut down on bullying um there's just abuse you know there's the proof Mm -hmm. out there now that really shows people that direct relationship if there's animal abuse it just continues to grow unfortunately into other It manifests into other things but I can't say that it's been a difficult thing to write about because, like I said, Mm -hmm. it's, it's near and dear to my heart. And just from experience, the lessons just sort of came easy.
1: Yeah. So neat. Were your kids of this age when you wrote the book, or were they already grown? My younger
3: one was this age. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was the one I was at the park with. His name is Jack. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Wow. Um, But they both uh, participated in the editing. I ran a lot of things by them. I read the book over and over, and they would say, "Oh no, mom, you can't say that. You can't do that. That's let's try this." Oh yeah. Yeah. So they uh, they were. They were my uh, my focus group.
1: <laughs> wow, yeah. wow! I think I asked a question, then I switched gears. So, what, like, what along the road? What challenges did you kind of bump into on the way of getting it, you know, getting the word out?
3: Just finding the right people to contact for schools. It's. Just trying to get to the principal. Oftentimes, sometimes it's the librarian. Uh, just letting them know what is available, and then they're more they're excited when they find out there's no cost for me to come in and present, for me to read. I leave a book behind for every child. They love yeah. that because they're also trying to help children read and yeah. bring lessons home. Same thing with the humane societies. It's just doing a lot of research, finding out who has humane education programs and then just letting them know that this is a possibility. Again, there's no cost to them. It goes beyond humane education. They have community outreach. Many organizations now are actually going into schools and doing these classes themselves and so they bring these books and again they leave them behind for the kids. They have shelter reading programs, which is amazing because this is where they invite the kids into the shelters and they are invited to sit in front of a kennel and read to the dog which is twofold it has a, a, amazing benefits because it socializes the dog hmm. but it also provides a non-judgmental way for the children to read because the dog's <laughs> not going to say oh you missed <laughs> yeah. that comma or you yeah. misspelled or missaid yeah. so that's a, that's a great program that they offer as well
1: So you're a lifelong pet lover sounds like Yes oh.
3: Absolutely I have four dogs at home
1: I'm going to say dogs cats but po- okay dogs. so dogs four dogs, dogs.
3: 4 all rescues. Oh wow.
1: <laughs> At what point was it part of your like research for the book or is it something you just came across that you were able to establish the relationship with dogs can lead to other things or using pets or dogs as training was helpful? Was that part of the research, or did it just accidentally come across that?
3: You know, again, it was just seeing the interaction with this young boy at the park with his dog, and then having a dog that uh, was—I didn't have cats growing up. I always had dogs, and I just kind of reflected back on my childhood and realized— that there is this bond that children have with an animal, and it's it's so important because they actually learn so many social cues from a dog. Most people don't realize that, but they're learning how their actions actually are impacted by, you know, the way the dog reacts to what they're doing. And so it's, it's almost this training ground before they're even in school. So it, it, it kind of gives them a little foot. So I, I'm a big advocate for having pets at home because I really think there is a benefit for teaching kids mm-hmm. those relationship skills.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I never really took it much past just responsibility, right? <laughs>
3: Responsibility is a big one, yeah. and we t- we talk a lot about that in the book. Um, yeah. Simple things, because it's very age appropriate.
0: Yeah.
3: We talk about you know just keeping the doors and the gates closed, yeah, keeping right. their collar on, things that they really could do at five and eight to five to eight years old. Yeah. It empowers them; they feel like they can be responsible. This is something they can do, and so they they really appreciate learning those lessons as well. We don't want to overwhelm them because there's just some things that at five to eight years old they're. They're technically, they're not feeding the dog, but when the dog is eating, they should know to respect its space and not bother it. Or when it's sleeping, not to poke it. Mm -hmm. And so when I go into schools and we do presentations, that's what I do. I parallel the different things. And I say, just like if you were taking a nap at home, you wouldn't want your big brother or sister to come over and say, wake up, wake up. And, you know, we just, we let people just rise when they're ready
2: i so. try to poke paul all the time to wake him up and i'm sorry what were you saying i was asleep <laughs> no this is real i i can only emphasize what i grew up with my mother imparted that to me in fact once when i was a little boy i was like your son's age my grandson's age about four or five and i started poking the dog in our house and the dog started making a noise and growling my mother said that dog's gonna bite you and I'm like, i the dog bites me, he's going to get his head taken off. I'm the golden child. I, You know, I could do anything here. And I kept teasing him, teasing him. Finally, he turned around and he snapped at me. And my mother said, and I ran, and like, you know, immediately, you should take this dog's head off. The dog snapped at me. My mother said, that dog has every right to be here that you do here. I told you that dog is going to. you got to learn to respect this dog. And I never did that a trick again here, you know.
3: Right, yeah.
2: Paul's easily trained. (laughs) I was easily trained. Yeah. Right. She let the dog snap at me once and I never did it again. But it stuck with me my whole life. That idea that, you know, the dog has as much right to be here as we do. Talk about the rescue animals a little bit, because rescue animals, people don't realize how many animals there are out there to be rescued. Oh, my goodness.
3: It's an epidemic. Yes. um, With all of the different toy breeds and all the different breeding. There's there's a lot of animals available at shelters, and there's a lot of purebreds in shelters. But yes, the the a big part of what we do is to teach kids this proper care and treatment, because oftentimes what happens, no matter where the dog comes from, if the dog reacts, it's the dog that's sent away, of course, because mm. you're not going to send your child away. Yeah. But there's nothing to be learned in that situation for for the child and so again you know our our mission is to teach children we, we like to say we like to get them off on this the right paw and start <laughs> off on the right paw because it's like anything it's new everybody has to learn how to adjust and accommodate and and it's it's a learning process and so but unfortunately what happens is the dog reacts the dog is sent away and then we have this epidemic of animals in the shelters and that's not the only way that they get mm-hmm. there obviously there's you know there's a spaying and neutering situation that, you know, needs to be addressed, and um, there's a responsibility there. Uh, we don't touch on that at five to eight years old because, again, this is, yeah. we're trying to give them lessons that, that they actually have control over and that they feel empowered to do. But we're hoping that by teaching children compassion at this young age, that as they do get older, then the responsibility of of spaying and neutering kicks in place because it's just a natural progression. You you have an invested relationship with this animal. You want to take care of it, so it's it's a and it's a natural relationship that,
2: that yeah. Happens. What yeah. struck me was my we lived in an affluent suburb of Detroit, mm-hmm. and uh, people would bring in their pets all the time and say, "I'm bored with them. I'm done with them." Yeah. Uh, the kid uh, grew out of it. Like it was, uh, you know, they do this with rabbits and everything all the time time, where people get it because they thought it would be cute and the kid doesn't show any interest in it or loses interest and nobody's taking care of it. They just bring it in like it's nothing. And it's a living, breathing creature that relies on you and you're just throwing it away like an old shoe. I I just, I can't, you can't believe how people do with pets.
3: It's sad. Or if they get too old and they just. Yeah,
2: right. They bring them in and say, oh, we don't want them anymore here. You had them for 10 years. We don't want them anymore here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about the uh,
1: National Rescue Dog Day, May 20th.
3: Yes. Uh, So this year will be our third annual. Um, This is kind of a funny story. I wanted to do something like this because I wanted to bring recognition to all of the animals and shelters. And it was just such a long shot. It, it was, I had a, when I was reading online how to apply, it said you have a one in 30,000 shot <laughs> yeah. opportunity to get this. And I thought, yeah. well, I'll, I'll just try. Yeah, And so um, I did quickly find out that I, I, was chosen, and I was one of 18 that was chosen. It quickly became a holiday, like I said, three years ago, and it really is just to bring light of the the animals that are in the shelter, but mostly to bring light to how amazing rescue dogs are they the relationship that that we have with them and it's it's grown into this social media campaign and so for example last year we had over 50,000 hashtags from all over the world of people posting pictures with them and their rescue dog yes and just saying how this dog has changed their life you know it's made such a difference in their life it saved their life a lot of veterans a lot of senior citizens of all walks of Life. We had so many people post about their dog. So this year, we're going to do something kind of fun. We're going to highlight people in the rescue world that are doing amazing things. There's organizations out there that specifically go to shelters, look for senior dogs, and that's what they do. They just focus on pulling the senior dogs and getting them adopted. We have pilots that fly all over the world to bring a, an animal from one shelter to another. So we're going to highlight different people in the, the rescue world to just continue to bring light to rescue dogs and just to try to encourage people to visit their shelter first yeah. if they want to rescue, or if they want to get a dog, yeah. to, that's a great place to look first.
1: Wow, that's, yeah. that's a lot. That's so great. Yeah. Now, it must have been more than just writing a letter and you got chose out of one out of 30,000. Yeah, there was more steps, yes?
3: There's a lot of steps, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of steps. I'm, I'm being humble, but yes, there's...
2: A... <laughs> Somebody tweeted and wants to know where. Where, where, where. do you? I didn't know there was a place that picks these holidays. I just assumed they sort of got started by people and is, is there actually, a, in Washington, D.C., the holiday National Holiday Picking Center or something? Paul, Paul
1: wants to submit the Paul Roberts birthday. Yeah, <laughs> a red, National
2: Podcasting Day, Radio Day. You, yeah,
3: You might have a shot. <laughs> uh, it's National Rescue Dog Day. I mean, it's um, National calendar day.com, I believe. Huh. Um, but yeah, if you, if, if you Google it, you'll, you'll find where yeah. to, 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 to submit an application. But I mean, there's national pancake day, there's national sunglasses day. There's, there's all kinds, but I, and I thought for sure someone would have already chosen that and, and it's already out yeah. there, but no one had, uh, had done that. So it How was did to take
1: for you to, to get it done from, from submitting till you got chosen
3: about six months. Oh, really? Yeah well wow. yeah, six months yeah. I
1: know there's more going on you're still being home so
2: know, did but... they fly you to Washington then and you put on a cut a ribbon or you do a big presentation or something
3: right? no no I, I think they forgot about me on that one. Yeah, no, I, it was just a lot of paperwork, really. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of paperwork, a, a lot of explaining why you want to do this holiday, how it's going to appeal to the masses. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it is it is relying on my communication skills and, you know, selling skills. Okay. Like, why yeah, is this okay. important and how is it going to benefit, you know, who are you trying to benefit? Well, I'm trying to benefit the rescue animals yeah. and and children long term and so you you, you really have to plead your case as to why this is an important holiday.
1: Yeah. All in writing, not like in a
2: like a jury. All
3: in
1: writing. I'm telling you that every
2: week we get bombarded as a station with people saying it's National Pancake Day, it's national something day. And I'm like, who makes up all these days? Now I know. National Cupcake Day. Now you know. know. (laughs) Right. So So when is National Rescue Day again?
3: May twentieth. May
2: twentieth, okay. So there is a national
1: Calendar like there is. Is it going to pop up on my iPhone calendar?
3: I don't know if it'll pop up on your. But if you go on, it, well, it might actually. I think someone had mentioned that it did. All right. Yeah.
2: All right. Just um, you're going to look. Now, now I'm super. As, now he's going to sue for no. We I'm <laughs> uh, today, and, and, and this has nothing to do with your show. I maybe I shouldn't even mention it, but today happens to be. We're taping this on uh, February fourth of 2020. Today happens to be National Hemp Day. I don't know if you knew that, but today is National Hemp Day. Right,
3: right? there's a day for everything. There's a day for everything. everything. Mm -hmm.
2: There is a pancake day. There's a tequila day. There's all these crazy things that come through here. Yeah, some better than others.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But people follow them. I I was surprised to see so many people following National Rescue Dog Day, and they just know. And the amazing thing is we had TV stations in New York, uh, England, People, Trader really? Joe's, there were all these organizations that were having special bake sales and just bringing awareness wow. to the day. Yes, That's it's yes. so great. Be- because yeah. what
2: happens is businesses are trying to come up with some clever promotion here. So they grab on these things, National Pancake Day or something, and right. then it's you, you go eat a pancake. We actually build shows around this quite often. We tell people in advance. Oh, you know, it's two weeks from now it's National Pancake Day or something, and we'll uh, we get bombarded by requests. So it's very common for the media to use. the public may not know that the media uses those. Can there validity. can there only
1: be three hundred and sixty five national days? Is it only one per day?
3: I, I no, there are a couple per day sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I've okay. noticed, yes. All right,
1: we're going to start stacking them. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you doesn't cost the schools anything or the rescue organizations. How are you raising money to do this?
3: All through private sponsors, uh, corporate sponsors. We do something that I think is actually very interesting. We provide special print books. Uh, so, for example, we did a partnership with the Angels Baseball Foundation. They provided us with a grant for uh, to provide a book for every child in the Anaheim school district and grades K through two, 7,000 books. Wow. And what we did in exchange is we did a special print book. So at the back of every single book, there's a full page acknowledgement to the Angels Baseball Foundation explaining what their mission is and how it connects with our mission and then letting people know this is how you receive this book. It was courtesy of the Angels Baseball Foundation. So we do that with other organizations, other major corporations. Um, We do a lot of fundraising. We do special events, private donors. Owners. Yeah. Yeah, but we that's we we don't want to charge a school of course and, and definitely not humane society. So we are always just sending out free books yeah. to qualifying schools and so organizations. So give us a plug
2: where do we yeah. where do we go?
3: At uh, www.talesthatteach.org.
2: Spell that cuz that's tales like for a dog, not not yes. not tales of Sinbad and the sailors or something. Here, right. <laughs> T right.
3: A I L S thatteach.org.
2: Do you have any events coming up that we
3: have a about? golf tournament coming up it's already sold out um it's on april 24th but we still have plenty of room for sponsors so any corporate sponsors uh private sponsors we would love to have them um but it's yeah it's in um your Belinda. okay at black gold golf club on april 24th
1: okay and they can Reach you about that sponsorship at the same website. Yes, for inquiries. Yes, or there is interest? a tab
3: uh, called Events, and it's it's on that tab there.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. all right. And we have a, a guest coming up in the next few weeks. Is the Gemini I introduced you to with the dog food companies? I don't I don't know if that. Oh, boss. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So hopefully that will wonderful. Um, something yes. will come from that. Uh-huh. Um, as we're getting close to the end, one of the uh, great privileges I have is to ask my guests their thought question of the day, and that's like your ultimate lesson learned. So what? would you say is your ultimate lesson learned through this venture of, of your charity and, and um, this whole teaching experience?
3: One thing that I always go back to, one of my favorite things that I really enjoy about what I still do is going into the schools and presenting it to the children. And I always leave time for kids to... Ask questions, um, whether it's about what we've just discussed, or oftentimes I get stories um, about their pets at home or about being an author. But I am always just amazed about how thoughtful children are and the just the compassion that they naturally have in their heart. And it really is up to adults to just direct that compassion it just, it never ceases to amaze me. It doesn't matter if they're three when I talk with preschoolers or if they are the second graders and now they're approaching 10 years old they still have so much innocence and so much compassion it really is up to us adults to just continue to to hone that a little bit and just give them the right avenues and opportunities to continue to to see opportunities of kindness to be philanthropic there's there there are amazing opportunities and oftentimes people say oh they're so young there's not anything they can do at that age, but there really is. There is so much that children can do just to continue to grow that compassion and kindness in yeah. their heart.
1: Do you, Does any story come off the top of your head? Like um, you said, the children will ask you some good questions.
3: Uh, you, uh, you know, sometimes I, I was just at a school the other day and I had a young girl tell me how she had a dream about Abraham Lincoln <laughs> and he yeah. had stolen her dog. <laughs> And we had nothing to do with what we were talking about. But again, I it, it, all of it, it it blessed the teachers' hearts because they're always saying no stories, no stories, questions. Yeah. But I always get stories, and that was the funniest story that I had yeah. heard in a long time. That she had, a, and I was surprised that she even knew who Abraham Lincoln was at that age. Yeah. But she said, "I had a dream about Abraham Lincoln, and he stole my dog." <laughs> and
2: that's all she said. I was. He's well known for that. Yeah. <laughs> well known.
1: Well, Lisa, I really, really appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing your stories, and um, this has been a really great show, so thanks for coming on.
3: Thank you for having me. I sure. appreciate it.
1: Is there any last statements or comments you want to make sure we get out there?
3: Just Visit your shelter. Visit your local shelter, absolutely. Please read to children all the time. It's so important. It's a lost art. Have them pick up a book. Not an electronic
2: <laughs> They Kindle. have done so many studies. I can't <laughs> quote you, them, but I know there have been a number of them. The children who are read to early in life develop a bigger vocabulary, bigger imagination, more creativity, all that kind of stuff.
3: Absolutely, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Well, thanks
1: again. I want to thank everyone who has tuned in, and we look forward to being in the studio again next week. Cheers.
0: Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zandbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting Bartzanbergen.podbean.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at Bartzanbergen.com. Bart A. Zanbergen CFP, and Letitia Burbaum, AIF, are registered investment advisors with OptiVest, Inc., and registered representatives with Gramercy Securities, Inc., member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered by Optivest, Inc. under SEC registration.